Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bible, smartphones, tablets, want to follow along, that's the passage we're looking at, Philippians chapter 1. We're looking at verses 12 to 18 this morning. Last week we started into a series on, on a walk through Philippians, and I want to to walk you through this book because this book is so encouraging and it is so uplifting and I believe that it's going to help all of us in our discipleship journal uh, journey. Did you know that God wants you to flourish? He really wants you to flourish. He doesn't want us just to survive. He wants you to flourish. But it's hard sometimes. I know that there was many times in my life that all I was doing was surviving. And I know that for some of you, you found this time of COVID really difficult, especially the lockdowns. Now we find ourselves in another one, and we're hoping that it's short, but we're worried that it won't be. How do we flourish in, a middle, in the middle of a time like this? One of the reasons I love the book of Philippians is that it gives us insight into this question. We've, we've been almost two years in COVID. When Paul pens this letter, he has been a prisoner for about two years. Let me tell you the story. Um, when Paul was first arrested in Jerusalem, he was preaching the gospel of Jesus. Um, he knew that he could not get a fair trial in Jerusalem, so he appealed to, to Caesar, as was his right as a Roman, Roman citizen. On the way there, he was shipwrecked. And had it not been for the hand of God, he would have died at sea. And when he finally got to Rome as a prisoner, he was under, held under house arrest awaiting trial. Acts chapter 28, verse 16 says, When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a Roman soldier to guard him. So instead of being put in jail, Paul was a, allowed to rent a room with a, with a soldier to guard him. Now, historian tells us, uh, historians tell us what this means is that uh, the palace guard or the imperial guard would come to Paul's rented room and chain themselves to Paul with a very short chain. Better than being in prison, but his movements were extraordinarily curtailed. I know the COVID restrictions have been hard on us, Maybe now you can relate a little bit more to what Paul was going through. He had it much worse. So as Paul was penning the words to this letter, there would, would have been one of the guards over, uh, looking over his shoulder. And Paul was in limbo. He was just waiting for the trial to happen. It is not even uh, like he would get a court date to look forward to. He, he would just be on call, and he would be called at the whim of the Caesar. And Paul knew that his trial could go either way. He may be set free, or he may be executed. All he could do right now was wait until Caesar's time and mood struck him, and he could be, uh, be uh, come in front of Caesar. Now, this was happening about... 60 AD, the Caesar at the time was Nero. Now, Nero, Nero was mentally unstable. 
yet he wielded great power. He eventually committed suicide in, in AD 68. Now, the trial would, would probably go according to how Caesar was feeling on a particular day. So talk about living with uncertainty. We face uncertainty, no question. We don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months. But Paul's experience is above ours. Can you imagine being Paul's mom? Yeah? Uh, I can just hear young people these days. I gave him a perfectly good name, the name of Saul. He changes it to Paul. Well, at least it rhymes, right? But I can't figure out my son. His father and I, we gave him a great education. We, we had taught him and had him taught by the finest scholars and the best schools, and he was doing really good. He was at the head of his class. He was a, a, a Pharisee. He was respected and renowned, and he kept his... Um, uh, and he kept on being promoted in the synagogue. Ah, and then he threw it all away. I can't understand my son. He was, could be free, enjoying life. Instead, my son's in jail, and I'm, I hear through the grapevines that even the Christians are slamming him. Um, night and day, he's tied up to this awful Roman soldier. He's no freedom. Such talent going to waste. His reputation is being slandered. My son, oh my son. Can you just hear, Mom? Any mom whose son is awaiting trial under Nero would be destroyed. Now come with me to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. And compare that mood to what Paul's saying. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Skip down to verse 18. But what does it matter? The, the important thing is that in every way, whether false motives or truths, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Doesn't that sound a little different? This does not sound like a, a, a man who is feeling like uh, his life is being wasted in prison. It doesn't sound like one who is depressed. It doesn't sound like a man who's being slighted or full of anxiety. It doesn't sound like a person who's been cooped up and tied to a guard for the last two years. Listen, I, I know the last couple of years have been, not been easy for any of us. And it's been really hard on some of us. What I want you to know is that there's a better way to live through hardship than to gripe and to complain. There's a better way than to be despondent and withdraw. There's, there's a better way to, than to be angry and put up walls of self-protection and isolate ourselves. I believe that Paul has something to teach us here. He teaches us about how to live well in this present age. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what's happened for me has actually served to advance the gospel. Also, I, I want you to know what's happened to me. It's, it's really good. You, you wouldn't know it from the outside. I'm under house arrest. But God's at work. 
the reason why Paul was able to say this is that he had something in his life more important than himself. He had something outside himself that gave his life meaning, that his life was about. Paul's life was found in Jesus, and it was serving Jesus and the gospel, the good news about Jesus. He knew his God, and he knew his calling. If you're going to live well in the middle of difficult circumstances, then you need to have something more important than you in your life. What matters is Jesus. What matters is that people come to know Jesus and grow up into maturity in him. Give your life to that, and it will give perspective to your life. There was an old Puritan named Jeremiah Burroughs who wrote an obscure book called... Uh, the, the Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. This is what he says. Be sure of your call to every business you go about, though it is the least business. Be, be sure you're called to it. Then whatever you meet with, you, will, you may quiet your heart with this. I know I am where God would have me. Nothing in this world will quiet a heart so much as this. When I meet with any cross, I know I'm where God would have me. In my place and calling, I am about the work that God has set me. It's good advice. Be sure you call. Be sure that you are doing what God's called you to do, and, and if you don't know what that is, then, then ask God about it. If you're a Christian and you are alive, there is a call on your life. Often we think that's what we determine when we graduate from high school or when we graduate from from college. The callings come to us all the way through life, and sometimes they change during life. I know that you may have had one calling during your life, but if you retire, you may have another calling. Just because you retire from your career does not mean that you have shucked a call in your life. God has a plan a purpose for your life right now. And that purpose is bigger than you. It might be praying that the gospel goes forward because nothing happens unless it happens by prayer. It might be serving a neighbor or uh, cleaning up around the church. It might be sharing your testimony or uh, encourage somebody on a telephone call. Part of your call is to advance the gospel. You may not do it like the Apostle Paul did, but loving your neighbor, serving the Lord with other believers, sharing, sharing God's stories of when the opportunity to rise, that's, that's part of all our callings. What you have in Paul is this real-life demonstration of what Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to him, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life would lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What you see in Paul here is he's saving his life. He, he, he may be in prison, but he is not imprisoned. His spirit is free. Paul is enchained, but he's thriving because... He wasn't trying to save his life. He was losing it for Jesus. 
And that makes all the difference in the world. Now, Paul could have been bitter about his circumstances in prison. His life was threatened. His freedom was restricted. Instead, he said, I'll give thanks. Now, there are two things that happened because he, he was in prison and because he was thriving in prison and being under house arrest in Rome. The, the first thing that happened is that he had the opportunity to share with the palace guards. Uh, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Can you imagine being a guard and being chained to the Apostle Paul for four hours at a time? Poor guards didn't have a chance. The handcuffs would clink on. The Apostle Paul would think, oh good, captive audience. He said, Mr. Guard, what's your name? Stan? Well, Stan, tell me about yourself. Stan would tell him about it. So Stan, do you know why I am a prisoner? No? Well, well, let me tell you the story. I met this guy named Jesus, and he changed my life. And he would go on to tell the guard a four-hour testimony of how each individual needs to receive Jesus into their life and how God forgives sin and allows us to walk with him and he puts his Holy Spirit in us and we have such a great gift of eternal life that starts now and goes on forever. And then Stan would leave and a new guard would come in and the handcuffs would go on and, Mr. Guard, what's your name? Jim. Hi, Jim. Tell me about yourself. Hey, Jim, do you know why I'm in prison? And it would go on. When you're under house arrest for a couple of years, you go through a number of guards. No wonder he writes, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard that everyone else, uh, and to everyone else, that I'm in change for Christ. <laughs> Tradition says that, that every guard that he witnessed to got saved. I'm not sure I believe that, but, but Paul had this gift of evangelism and I'm sure a number of them gave their hearts to the Lord. There's another thing that happened because he'd been living out his calling. Verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Remember, Nero is Caesar. As one commentary put it, the early 60s were tumultuous time in Rome as the Emperor Nero grew increasingly unstable, proclaiming a message about a crucified and risen king named Jesus. Jesus risked both social and political, or, um, uh, and so they risked both social and political persecution. In spite of this, because of Paul, believers in Rome became confident in the Lord and dared all the more to, to proclaim the gospel without fear. Notice their confidence is in the Lord. It's not in, based in the lack of danger, but in a God who would be with them in the middle of danger. Therefore, they wouldn't have to fear, even, they could, even though they could be arrested, or worse. See, when, when life is bigger than ourselves, it, it inspires others to step into uh, their calling as well. How we... How we live not only 
calls non-believers to put their faith in Jesus, but it, it calls believers to step into their calling and walk the life that God has called them to walk. People, we need to inspire each other to live our callings. We need to inspire each other uh, towards living a life that's bigger than ourselves. Now, you would think that if these believers have become confident in the Lord and they're proclaiming the gospel, in spite of the possibility of social and political persecution, that they would have it all together, right? Wrong. Verse 15. It's true that some priests preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that, it's, that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. you got to love human beings. So awesome, so horrible all at the same time. They're following Jesus, and some of them have goodwill towards Paul, and others of them seem to be in competition with him or even envious of him. There are people who are trying to make a name for themselves, and, and now that Paul's out of the way, well, maybe they could grab more of the spotlight. Uh, there were people who, can you believe this, were trying to cause Paul trouble, or the Greek word has the idea of causing him distress. They really were trying to rub it in his face. And I bet some of them were doing it with finesse blessing of God is on me because I get to preach the gospel unlike some people I know that are just wasting away in prison. Now if if Paul were all about Paul he would have been deeply offended. But Paul was about the gospel and he was able to see the big picture so that he hears his response to the people who were slamming him and trying to cause him distress. Verse 18. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I'll, I'll continue to rejoice. People are slamming him, and he's rejoicing, and he's thriving. When I run into someone who is easily offended, I know a couple of things are true. I know that their focus is on themselves, and life is all about them. I also know that if they're going to be truly free and experience the joy of the Lord, they're going to need to find something bigger than themselves. They need to become invested in the gospel. I, I want my life to reflect the Apostle Paul's in this attitude. I, I want to do things out of love, and grace. The important thing is that Christ is preached. My guess is that most of you want that attitude as well. What that means is, is that if we're going to be like the Apostle Paul in this, um, we cannot be the kind of people who protect our own turf. I've seen churches and, and ministries, in particular churches, where 
it's a person's domain, and if, if somebody dares step on their turf, they get highly offended. That's not us. We're not building up our kingdom. We're serving the kingdom of God. It's not my turf, it's God's turf. It's not your turf, it's God's turf. Reflecting the Apostle Paul's attitude, I don't need to be the center of everything. God and his glory is what matters. There are times when the Apostle Paul was the center of attention. There are times when he was on the sideline. It mattered not, as long as Christ is preached. This kind of thinking goes in direct opposition to our culture. It's even in direct opposition to some church's culture. But if we really want to be who God has called us to be, then we need to adopt this attitude called humility. An attitude that asks not about our own glory, but about God's glory. An attitude that sees the task, not the reputation or the applause, as important. An attitude that holds the kingdom of God first. One of the ways that this comes into play in Perth is this. Will we be the kind of people and the kind of church that cheers on other life-giving churches in our town? And the answer is, yes, we're going to be that kind of church, right? Of course. We will rejoice when, when Northgate grows and sees a lot of people coming to know the Lord. We're, we're going to rejoice when Glad Tidings Pentecostal sees a lot of people growing and, and coming to the Lord. Of course, because what matters is not who gets the credit, but that the gospel advances. More than that, we'll help churches like that grow and become all that God has called them to be. Because it's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. We do what we're called to do, and we help all, and we hope our church grows. But it's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. Important thing is that in every way, Christ is preached. And because of this, we will rejoice, and we will cheer each other on. I started preaching this message reminding you that God wants us to flourish. And yet we find ourselves in a season where we're tempted to hunker down and just survive. We're tempted to make life all about us. We become very inward focused and introspective. And we see us and our world grow smaller and smaller. Jesus was right. If you try to save your life and make it all about you, you're going to lose it. But if you lose yourself for him and for the gospel, you're going to find it, a life that's abundant and full and full of grace. I want to encourage you, step into the call that God has given you and live a life beyond yourself. Live a life in a way that allows you to go beyond who you are and see the big picture. It's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's about his goodness. I want you to know that God loves you, and so he calls you to be more 
than just you. He calls you to join his big story. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Lord, I know so many people have been so stuck during COVID. I've been there myself a few times. When our eyes have fallen off our Savior and fallen onto ourselves, and Lord Jesus, forgive us for that. Help us to look up. Help us to live out our calling well. Lord, help us to revel in who you are. Lord, I pray for glad tidings for Northgate. Pray, Lord, that you would bless them and encourage them and strengthen them and, and build them up and may they see much fruit for their labor. Pray for us, Lord, that you would help us to know our call and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.